Heavenly Father, thank you that we can um, share your wonderful message uh, to our kids um, just as we do to our, our adults. Thank you that your offer of adoption uh, goes out to everyone. Lord, um, as we uh, hear your word today, um, help us to come closer to you as our Father in the adoption that you have given us. Um, let these words that I speak be yours and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I've been seeing those uh, cheesy Christmas movies come out on Netflix recently, and I, I, I think the interesting, uh, it's interesting, like the core drive of so many of these films is to find the true meaning of Christmas. And we here at church know what Christmas is actually about. But these movies, they've always got to find something else. Something else that Christmas stands for. What does it really mean when you get down to the bottom of it? And the answer for most people is family. I mean, we have all those ads where families gather around uh, fresh Woolworths produce or a glass of uh, Coca-Cola, and the whole thing surrounds bringing people together. And that's not a bad thing. I reckon most people here would consider family to be one of the most important aspects of the season too. But how do we picture this ideal version of family? We, we love to think that our Christmases were just like those sickly sweet endings to the Hallmark movies or the setting of a Coles ad where Curtis Stone shows up out of nowhere with a sticky mango glazed ham. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves about what Christmas actually looks like, a happy Christmas card family doesn't exactly fit the reality, does it? For a lot of us, Christmas Day ends up being something we've just got to endure. We set up war councils to plan ahead to avoid those topics which might cause offence. We agonise and stress over the quality of the meal and pray that this year Grandma won't thumb her nose at the chicken salad again. We go to battle over our successes, placing our yearly accomplishments up against each other in competition, hoping for that precious validation we can only get from being the best. And for some of us, uh, we want to avoid these negative sides of Christmas. So we do everything to insulate the day in this little bubble of our own perfection. Maybe our little family unit really is quite cohesive and agreeable, but I find it particularly interesting that in a season where we celebrate the love that God shares with us, we decide to focus inward. We use a lot of energy on ourselves to protect this little illusion of protection, don't we? Our little Christmas is constantly facing in. Our families are broken, and maybe from the outside they look a little like what was promised on the TV, 
but we know we need something more. And for some, the reality of Christmas is one spent alone with families so broken that the idea of putting aside their differences to share a meal is less than hopeless. Some surveys suggest that the amount of people who spend Christmas alone could be as high as one in five. Insurmountable fractures in broken relationships and old wounds will be reopened and widened this year. Yet to protect our perfect family Christmases, we sometimes prefer to ignore that fact, don't we? Just for the season, just keep those people on the outside. Now, I think we need to understand that family is important, yes. It's extremely important, but the picture we create of the perfect family Christmas is far from perfect. This is not what true family looks like. If we base our conception on family, on this insular, inward-facing view, we're not realising what God intends for family to actually be. The Bible describes family differently. Part of what fills it with so much extravagant beauty is that it won't lie to you about what family is actually like. The Bible depicts some of the most dysfunctional families in all of history, and still God works through them. And the reason is because God is, according to Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. God sets the lonely in families. The truth is that God's incredible salvation project for humanity is to create a perfect family. Whether it's those with no biological family at all, or those whose family is broken, which describes all of us in some capacity, God has in mind something far greater, something bigger and more beautiful than that. This doesn't mean we need to throw our love for our biological families out the window or that they're in some way unimportant, but that the foundation of a loving family is with God as the Father. His intention for what family is going to be is so much bigger and brighter than our little isolated biological units. No matter where you come from, God the Father offers you a place in his family with open arms. And we see this most powerfully through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. You might remember the section of Mark in which Jesus' family comes to take him away as he's preaching to his disciples. And here's what he says. Chapter 3, verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brother, brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let's look at that more closely. 
Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. See, here's the absolutely beautiful thing about that. And this is what Christmas is all about. God had a perfect relationship with his son. But instead of keeping that isolated, instead of facing inward, instead of building up walls to shield that relationship from everyone else, he showed what true family was by turning it outward and inviting us in. See, what we need to understand here is just how incredible that offer is. Jesus is the only one who reserves the right to call God his Father. Yet, in his love, he offers up that position to anyone who will follow him. He offers that position to us. And so that gives us a picture of what God's intention is for true family. His project to see family redeemed in the world. No matter who we are, we are offered a place in his family by grace. And so we're correct in our assumption that at its core, Christmas is about family. But we're wrong in how we view what family truly is. Family doesn't face inwardly. It doesn't build up walls or keep out, keep people out. It isn't insular. Family faces outward. Paul goes on to explain this further in Galatians, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. To receive adoption to sonship. See, Paul says again what Jesus said as he addressed the crowd. We are offered a place of adoption into his family. As the people of God, we are adopted into God's chosen family, the family of Israel, and such a family with God at its head can never be broken. It can never be fractured. It's a promise far, far more wonderful than this weak facsimile of family we see depicted on TV. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. We're afforded the same rights as Jesus Christ to call God our Father. And that means for us, we have a gift of being adopted by a father who will never cease in his love for us, who will never fracture his relationship with us, a father we can bring anything to. And what's more, we get to recognize the state with which we've been pulled from. Instead of a slave, we are 
heirs to his kingdom. We share in his beautiful and bountiful inheritance. So no loneliness, no brokenness, no disagreement can ever see the end of such a family. Christmas is about family, but it is about God's family. And that is a far better gift than a Curtis Stone version of Christmas. So what does this actually mean for us, though? Well, it means our Christmases aren't meant to be celebrated in isolation. As God's project for family was to turn the love he had outward, he also instructs us to do the same with our family. They're meant to be celebrated under Jesus and with one another. I couldn't remember one of the first times I truly understood the meaning of this adoption. My family were part of a community outreach program with our old church. The idea was that we'd reach out to the lonely and isolated members of our community who had nowhere else to go on Christmas Day and invite them for a Christmas dinner at our church. Now, I was pretty young at the time, and so my first reaction to this was despair. Christmas happens only once a year, and we were going to give it up to eat lunch with a bunch of strangers in a hall. See, the idea that Christmas was a time to spend with your isolated biological family was so ingrained in my understanding of the day that when it came to giving that up, I was totally against it. But that experience changed me. The fact is, spending this day bringing joy to others, providing them with a sense of family and belonging, just as Jesus did as he offered up us, Uh, adoption into his own family, it was filled with this amazing joy that I'd never experienced before. The thing is, I'm not claiming that the family that we have right now is perfect, because in the church it's clear that there's just as much, much dysfunction as in any other family. But the difference is that God, through Jesus, has given us the tools to be shaped into the family of his intentions. And that with Christ, we are being molded into the perfect family because we have the privilege of having God as our Father. So how are we supposed to respond to this? Well, for this series, we'll be framing our responses with three titles, Discover, Pursue, and Practice. Before we do anything else, we need to discover this true version of family. And that means for those here this morning who aren't yet part of this wonderful adoption through Jesus, I want you to know that this adoption is open to you too. And so I'd invite you, if you're considering that, to speak to someone you trust here today and discover what it means to be a part of Christ's family. For those who are already part of this family, I'd encourage you to pursue. As Christ gave us an example and an instruction, let's turn our love outward and display true family by inviting others in.
let's shed ourselves of those little isolated groups that we form during Christmas time. Throw off the idea that Christmas is all about what we see in the ads and just invite one another into our lives. Because we know that as Christians, we are already a family. And those who are not should be invited in. And finally, let's do this in practice. Whether that's seeking out those who have nowhere else to go this year, or by giving up your time to spend it with someone you find difficult, if it's giving up your resources to fund gifts and food for those who can't afford it. Do what you can this season to demonstrate the love that you've been shown first. We've been given an incredible gift as we've been adopted into the family of the living God. We are his heirs and his children and that is our reason to celebrate that christ was born on that first christmas to share with us a love that he had and we didn't so that one day we can see the fullness of god's true family in the new creation let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for the astounding gift of your adoption into your family. Thank you that even though we didn't deserve it, you opened your arms to share uh, your love with us. Help us to celebrate that this season by doing the same for others, but also once the season ends, to continue to do so in the rest of our lives. In Jesus' heavenly name, amen.